112 to 102, your final Jazz Game Night postgame show. Jake Scott, the coach, Gordy Chiesa with you. And coach, tough night for the Jazz, especially on the offensive end, uh, shooting just 35.5% from the field. On the other side, Carl Anthony Towns and Jeff Teague had terrific nights. Towns with uh, Carl Anthony Towns with 29 points, Jeff Teague with 21 to go along with 11 assists. So those two very, very good in the 1-2 game. And I went to again was the pick and roll offense where they spaced the floor beautifully and they played off each other's skill set. And the skill set of Carl Anthony Towns is he's a pick and pop threat as far as the three ball. And when the Jazz played switch defense where they they kept the big on the dribbler, meaning Rudy, or they played uh, Jeff Green a lot of times as the five man tonight. And later on they played uh, they also played uh, Joe Engels uh, as far as ultra small. They rolled uh, uh, to the mid post, Carl Anthony Towns, where he, the ball got below the foul line, and that opened up the cutting game by the T Wolves and the three point game. So it was more of the offensive uh, of the T-Wolves that made the Jazz to be late to adjust. Offensively, when the Jazz are really good, they pop that ball around perimeter. They throw tremendously swing passes, and they shoot in, they shoot in happy rhythm. Tonight's game, they didn't, they didn't do that. There was way too much more dribbling. But most of all, Jake, the physicality of the T-Wolves perimeter defense as a group really stunned the Jazz. It felt to me, Coach, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but that Minnesota played this game exactly how they wanted to play it. It wasn't the Jazz style. It was Minnesota's. The tempo was Minnesota's. You mentioned the perimeter defense. It felt like that they were forcing the Jazz into the shots that they wanted the Jazz today to take, not necessarily the shots the Jazz wanted to get. Well said. The pace, excuse me, the uh, T-Wolves are second in the NBA in pace. So they would come down in early offense and they they shoot jump shots, but they were able to get some long rebounds and they were able to just... Um dictate the tempo of the game. Ironically, in the fourth quarter, the game slowed down. It wasn't really the pace that the T-Wolves usually play in, but to their, to their credit, they played under the influence of execution. So, Jake, for the first three quarters, they were up-tempo, and they were getting in transition, or open floor, uh, shots taken. In the fourth quarter, it was more of a grind-out game. They put the ball in the hands of Jeff Teague and Carl Anthony Towns, and their defense took over. The last point about their defense is that we know that the T-Wolves defense is really absolutely erratic, but tonight in the fourth quarter, they're able to body up without dramatically fouling, and they're more alert. The T-Wolves are third in the NBA in steals, and you get the feeling that their active hands, active hands tonight was a huge factor. They had tonight active hands versus what? Contact hands. And that's a huge factor of not fouling in the game. 112 to 102 is your final. Coming up next, uh, we'll get you sound from the podium. Coach Quinn Snyder, as well as uh, Tony Parks, will be down in the locker room. We'll get you reaction from the players as well. With that, we will say good night uh, to our network stations. Uh, our next broadcast, the Jazz will take on this very same Minnesota Timberwolves team coming up on Wednesday. That game will tip off at 6 o'clock. Pre-game coverage will begin at 5 here on the Jazz Radio Network. Once again, your final, the Jazz fall to the T-Wolves, 112 to 102, right here on the Jazz Radio Network. This has been Utah Jazz Basketball on the Utah Jazz Radio Network. Utah Jazz Basketball is brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller Lexus and Murray. And Lexus of Linden. By Zions Bank. For a noteworthy approach to banking, Zions Bank is for you. And by your Utah Toyota dealers. For all the latest jazz interviews, insights, and breaking news, go to 1280thezone.com and utahjazz.com. This is Utah Jazz Basketball on the Utah Jazz Radio Network. That'll do it. The game may be over. 
but our coverage of Utah Jazz basketball is just beginning. That kid is on fire on catch and shoot threes right now. This is Utah Jazz game night post game show. Dante drives in and out and bounces to Gobert, and he rocks the pass Presented by both Mark Miller Subaru locations. Go where love takes you in the completely redesigned 2020 Subaru Outback. Available now at Mark Miller Subaru, the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at MarkMillerSubaru.com. Now, it's time for a complete wrap of tonight's Utah Jazz game on the Utah Jazz Radio Network. 112 to 102, your final. The Jazz fall to the Minnesota Timberwolves. This Jazz game night post game show brought to you by both Mark Miller Subaru locations, Utah's only negotiation free Subaru dealer. Jake Scott, coach Gordon Chiesa with you. As the Jazz lose their first game at home this year, they fall to 6 and 1 at home, 8 and 5 on the season. Let's take a look at your uh, sharp stats of the game brought to you by the Les Olson Company. Les Olson Company, your office technology partner. Jazz struggled from the field tonight, 36.5%. They were 35 of 96. They were 12 of 31 from three, 38.7%. They were led by Boyan Bogdanovich, who had 18 points on 7 of 17 shooting. Donovan Mitchell was 17 points, but took 24 shots to get there, 5 of 24. Uh, Rudy Gobert, 5 of 8 from the field, 16 points to go along with 14 rebounds and a block shot. Mike Conley, 6 of 15 from the field, 15 points and 6 assists. Joe Ingles with 12 coming in off the bench. Jeff Green with 11 off the bench. But once again, uh, Coach, the Jazz are going to need a little bit more productive uh, production from their bench unit. Very much. The Jazz bench scored collectively 29 points. The T-Wheels bench scored today tonight 41 points. And the differential is when you, it's when you got them in the game. Momentum swings. The bench comes in the game as a unit minus uh, Jeff Teague who played with them, which was smart coaching by Ryan Sanders to keep, to keep uh, the, the steadfast point guard in the game with the bench guys, but the T-Wheels bench guys, they really moved the ball. They drove it. They played uh, aggressive defense. The Jazz attempted to play defense, but they were a step behind. And so the learning point about this is that often for um, off-the-bench guys, you score points by playing defense. And that's how you – it's first defense, then offense, first offense, then later on in defense. The only encouraging thing about it was Dante Exum. He hasn't played since January 5th last year. He played today 14 minutes, a little bit rusty, which is rightfully so. But the more importantly, he was out there. And that gives the Jazz a length defender and as he gets in more in rhythm as, more, as far as his ball skills and the shooting uh, – the student situation, it will benefit the Jazz right now. All right, uh, with that, let's uh, get things down to the podium where Coach Quinn Snyder is talking to the media. You guys go just 5 for 32 from mid-range tonight. Were you happy with the shot selection tonight? Uh, You know, when we got to the rim, um, I think we were much more effective. We were able to get offensive rebounds, um, get a chance to get fouled. Um, I thought the first quarter... You know, we, we came out playing playing well and playing well together and hit a stretch at the end of the first quarter where we started really turning the ball over and lost some rhythm. Um, just weren't weren't very good offensively with, with that, and, and uh, it's tough to defend against that. So um, obviously we we need to be better, and, and I, th- I think we, we need to be better in, in a number of things that we didn't do well tonight. You hold uh, Minnesota 17 in the third quarter, but then they scored 36 in the fourth. Mm-hmm. Did anything change drastically on defense, or did the the missed shots feed into that? Well, I think you know offense always affects defense, um, but 
you know, Towns got hot. Um, you know, that's, you know, he, he, he can do that. And, you know, I think he hit three straight threes. And um, when he's spaced like that, it's we have to be even more um, solid defending the ball because they were able to, to drive us and, you know, get in the lane and, and they finished. Uh, what did you think of Dante's first action? Did a good job. I thought he was he was focused defensively. You know, it's just it's good to see him get out there and um, get through. I'm sure, you know, there's a lot going on in your mind when you've um, you've been out that long and, and you're recovering from an injury. So I was I, th- I thought he really competed as much as anything, and, and that to me is that's a success in and of itself. That bench unit really struggled defensively in the first half, and then I thought they, they played better in the second half on that end. What what kind of turned around for them? Well, that's that's a t- you know a group that you know that we haven't haven't played together um, you know that much during the year. Um, I just thought we were more urgent. We started switching more, and that helped because um, we were able to protect the paint more, and we took care of the ball. You know, we didn't get a chance to play defense the last three minutes of the. Of the, of the first quarter because we were turning it over and I thought we came out with, um, you know, saying we were better. It was hard to be a lot worse than we were during that stretch. Offensively, just taking care of the ball. Coach, you played not as well as you'd like to uh, tonight, but you get these guys again mm-hmm. real soon. So what's the motivation now, I mean, to try to really get back at them and, and get this one back, essentially? Yeah, I mean, every, every single game, you know, is important. Um, I think in addition to that, you know, we, we need to continue to get better. And, you know, I, the, the goal is, for, you know, if, if there's games like tonight, we have to learn from them and, and be better. That, th- this team has done that. You know, I, I think we obviously can play better individually and play better collectively. And if our focus goes there, you know, we'll have an opportunity to win that game. And, you know, obviously that's, you know, that's the idea. Okay. Yep. Twenty-four to three run at the end there. Um, yeah. What are the conversations like in the huddle when it's there's an almost inability to score and the wolves get loose like that? Well, you 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 know, it's probably pretty predict- predictable. You know, it's a combination of we've got to do this better, and you know, in a couple instances, do this differently. You know, we we changed a couple matchups with Towns because he got going from three. Um, you know, wanted to use Rudy in a different different situation or use him differently. Um, they responded to that. They that that's where they they got to the rim more. Um, and then, like I said, you know, off the, the the three part. You know, you know, you, you better offensively. Some of that was some good looks that we missed. Um, then there's a tendency when you feel it going like that that you know you're trying to get it back and it can snowball. So um, obviously that that's not good enough to win the game but also give Minnesota credit for you know I thought they you know, they drove the ball Jeff Teague you know really their whole group was able to get you know where they wanted more than we would like um, that's something I know that our team can do a better job of we have um, you know when Towns is spaced like that it puts even more pressure on you know on your individual defenders and I didn't think we were very good not not just on the ball you know, off the ball, closeouts, just a lot of fundamental stuff that I think we can do and we didn't do tonight, and it showed up. 
All right, that was Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. His team falls tonight, 112-102. Jake Scott, coach Gordy Chiesa with you. And coach, the Timberwolves, you heard uh, coach Quinn Snyder talking about the run there at the end, uh, finished the game on a 23-4 to run. How hard is it to kind of stop that? And the, I think a reporter used the, the term snowball effect down the stretch. How hard is that to kind of stem the tide? It's very difficult. So the way you want to do it during that stretch, that you want to have a specific call where you go, uh, you go uh, an isolation for a player off movement. So, for example, when a team is going like that, you want to get the ball to your most skilled player where he's comfortable, and then that's when you want to crash the boards also. So when, he, when you're losing rhythm of a game, you've got to get stick-back baskets and loose ball flurries to try to get uh, action plays because what you're doing, you're not shooting. So once you call timeout, go to Pacific play to get the ball into the hands of a score. Defensively, always change the matchup then. When it's 24-3-1, to you like to change the matchup, either overplay defense, pick-and-roll coverage, front the post, play behind the post, but you just can't do, keep doing the same thing right now. So it's a little bit everything. And most of all, there's always an element of panic by the players. From a coaching standpoint, you want to remain calm and steadfast. It's a very difficult moment as a coach. Let's take a look at your points in the paint brought to you by Serta Pro Painters. Call 1-800-GO-CERTA or visit CertaPro.com. That's Serta with a C. We do painting, you do life. This one surprised me a little bit, Coach. The Jazz uh, outscored by the Timberwolves in the paint, but not by much, 44-42. to And considering and Locke broke down the stats nicely, the Jazz were not terrific from the paint non-restricted area that I thought that that gap would be a little bit wider. And you're talking about either light restricted area between the the, uh, the the dots on the court out to out to the three throw extended in the lane right now. So that's what we call the high paint. So whenever whenever you dribble the ball into the high paint area, you're thinking shot. You're thinking shot. See, a lot of times people when they penetrate, they're not sure what they're going to do, and then they when they finally eventually try to shoot. That's when they miss. Besides being bumped off balance. So you first think shot, and then you see the defense coming at you. Then you think what? Drop off pass or kick out pass. And that's the decision making. So much is the question is, does the, can my mind catch up to my body once I penetrate? Can my mind catch up to my body with the ball versus the ball catch up to my mind? <laughs> and that's, see, see, again, it sounds so simple when you break it down, but it's not. And we do basketball drills to teach the players. Sometimes it's innate. Remember, most young players play offense too fast and defense too slow. Does this come back to as well a little bit of what Locke was talking to us about during crosstalk? And, and we've talked a lot about this this season, but the change in, in the way teams are defending where they're keeping somebody at the rim or they're hugging three-point shooters, so they're going to force those decisions that you're talking about to be made where you take a you know a tough contested shot in the paint or you need to whip the ball back outside, right? Correct. Also, the ability to, to score through physicality. See, a lot of times in the, we talk about for decades, low post scoring where you drop that shoulder and you're physical. Okay, so now it's the opposite effect in this generation, Jake. When you penetrate, is an element of physicality. When I extend my arm, the ref calls what? A touch foul. When I keep my chest on the dribbler and it's mano a mano, numbers on numbers, the referees will call less fouls. So now the question is, do I have a strong body? Do I have balance? 
is my head under control, and most of all, do I have ball skills? And that's when sometimes, unfortunately tonight, the Jazz got in trouble. It's correctable. Donovan Mitchell is a great finisher. He shot 5 for 24, some of them were jump shots, but one of Donovan's greatest traits is what? Penetrating and finishing. Unfortunately tonight, the T-Wolves defense stayed in his body, and Donovan's got to be spawned next game. 112 to 102 is your final. Coming up next, we'll get you down into the locker room where Tony Parks is doing that good work. We'll let you hear from uh, Donovan Mitchell, Jeff Green, Manuel Moutier, and others, so stay tuned for that. want to remind you, go where love takes you in the completely redesigned 2020 Subaru Outback. Available now at Mark Miller Subaru, the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Sound from the locker room coming up next. Jazz Game Night Post Game Show right here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz game night, post game. Jake Scott, Coach Gordon Chiesa with you. 112 to 102 is your final. The Jazz fall to the Minnesota Timberwolves tonight. Uh, post game brought to you by both Mark Miller Subaru locations, Utah's only negotiation free Subaru retailer. Uh, Coach, let's get a look at the assists real quick and then we'll take you down in the locker room. The assist feature proudly sponsored by Larry H. Miller dealerships throughout the Utah Jazz season. Larry H. Miller dealerships donating $50 for each assist to Larry H. Miller charities. We are driven by you tonight. Uh, on the assist front, Jazz had 20 total assists on 35 made baskets. Coach, they were led by uh, Mike Conley, who had six tonight. Joe Ingles had five assists coming off the bench. Uh, Donovan, Royce, and Bogdanovich, each with uh, a couple of assists. But 20, you might want to see that number a little bit higher. Does that get back to what you were talking about, Coach, those swing passes and the ball popping around the perimeter? Very much. Yeah. When the, whenever, the ball, whenever the ball moves, the scoreboard moves. Jake, I don't. It's the most amazing phenomenon. It's like Murphy's Law, Jake. I can't explain it. I'm not that smart, but all I know when that ball moves around the perimeter, inside, outside, outside, inside, the scoreboard always moves. Unfortunately, the ball stuck way too much tonight. There was an element of over dribbling from the T Wolves' point of view. They moved the ball much, and ironically, the T Wolves most times don't move the ball, but they did tonight. Jeff Teague was absolutely spectacular with 11 assists, and it's when he got them. So what you want to do is you want to throw on time, on target passes to to, to to make makeable shots, and it all starts with the mentality of I want to help my teammate assist on a basket. All right, let's go down into the locker room where Tony Parks is standing by with Jeff Green. Tony, we did get stopped. Uh, we didn't make shots. Uh, that's typically uh, what happens. Um, you know, they got the lead and they they made plays at the end. Credit to them. You held Towns to two of seven from three in the first half. What was the difference, though, in the challenges that he presented in the second half in terms of spacing? He was just more aggressive. Um, you know, he took the shots that was there. Uh, they were the same shots. He just made them at the, um, in the second half. Is it a difficult night shooting overall for the team? Is it just a matter of getting good looks and them not going in? Or no, we got good looks, yeah. We got good looks that just didn't go in. Uh, we got to live with those. Um, but most importantly, we got to hang our hats on the defensive end uh, when the offense is, isn't going well. Um, it wasn't there tonight, uh, starting with myself. Um, just just wasn't where it needed to be for us to win. Quinn made a point of reminding us twice that you guys did your answer tonight. Yeah, uh, we, I mean, we, we competed. Uh, we always bring our, our A game. We always there to compete, but, you know, things didn't go our way tonight. Uh, that's, that's, that's basketball. Um, we got another one Wednesday, and I'm really, really 
positive that we're going to be ready Wednesday. Is it nice that you get to face the team that handed you your first home It doesn't loss. really matter. How'd you like playing five more a little bit tonight? It don't matter. I'm on the floor playing basketball, so I uh, just got to make do with the minutes I'm giving. During the first half, you guys kind of struggled during those non-rooting minutes. The second half, you were a lot better actually kind of taking the lead during that stretch. What changed uh, for that group that was out there on the court during that time? Uh, we became more aggressive. Um, you know, it was new to us, uh, me playing the five, uh, the space, and trying to figure out how we're going to play. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's basketball. Uh, we just got to continue to stay aggressive and, um, you know, make plays and make shots. Guys, that's Jeff Green. Let's go back to you. Thank you very much, uh, Tony. Jeff Green tonight, uh, and you heard he was asked about it. It was kind of the tale of two halves for him. He finished the game with 11 points, two of eight from the field, four rebounds and, a, and an assist. Uh, but at times, and especially in that first half, Coach, he really struggled, and you can tell he's not real pleased about it uh, with kind of a little shorter answers there in the post game. Well, the way to bounce, bounce back for Jeff Green and all the other Jazz players is to focus on what the team was did to them, and they were they were more physical. So what you want to do in the next game, which is really good in a way, it's Wednesday night soon, is that you want to be physical, move the ball offensively, and the 50-50 uh, scrum game on the floor, you've got to die for those balls. You get the feeling today that... The T-Wolves are more aggressive as far as winning the hustle plays. And that's what you want to do in jazz basketball is to recapture that moment. These are all correctable mistakes. The T-Wolves really played a, a, a terrific game. And it is surprising, but they did to their credit. And, you know, honest coach, and you heard Jeff Green, he was asked about playing the center more. He says he doesn't care, and that's the right answer. He's he's going to make the most out of the minutes he's given. But, you know, Ed Davis was signed to this team to play a big role. <clears throat> and, excuse me, that's when, you know, to take over for Derek Favors, who's moved on to New Orleans. We'll see him later this week. He played a big role backing up Rudy as well as starting last year. They signed Ed Davis, you know, to take the brunt of that role that, that Derek Favors was vacating. That was not why they signed Jeff Green. And now with Ed Davis in and Tony Bradley struggled uh, mightily against Memphis, so Jeff Green asked to do a little bit more. But I guess my my long-winded point here, Coach, is that they're missing Ed Davis. You're seeing that. Ed Davis is a physical defender, one of the best permanent rebounders in the NBA. What he gives the Jazz is a component of physicality. So now suddenly, when he, instead of playing switch defense, maybe some of the time, he's biting up on Carl Anthony Towns, either in the mid-block when he's backing down, or um, pick and pop action. Ed Davis has enough foot speed and enough tenacity to slow down and challenge uh, Carl Anthony Towns. Remember now, uh, Towns' jump shot, his three pointer, is a set shot. So when you're up and guarding him, if you get your hand up above above your shoulders quickly, he's shooting into into your hand, and it's it's dramatically lesser getting sight on the basket. Ed Davis right now, he's got that left fracture, uh, left fibula, uh, uh, and that probably he'll come back around roughly around December 5th or so. So hopefully he'll be able to go, and when he does play, he adds the Jazz a rebounding force. Now, in the world's almost perfect, he would back up Rudy, come in the game, and help out defensively and be a, a be a really a, a lane protector. Rudy's a rim protector. Ed Davis type players are lane protectors. The Jazz need both. All right, let's go back down to the locker room where Tony Parks is standing by with Emmanuel Moody. Are you tone? Um, I wouldn't think I wouldn't say cross off guard. You know, going in, we knew that they was going to play at a fast pace, but at the same time, what hurt us was just turnovers um, early on, and you know they they was getting buckets off our turnovers. 
Is there anything that you attribute that to when you look at those early turnovers, like 11 in the first half? Yeah, I mean, that's going to hurt anybody, any team. And it's just, I think for a little bit, there was a stretch where we was kind of out of control. And a part of that was me. That was all of us. So uh, we just got to figure out how to slow the game down, just take care of the ball. Because we know when we take care of the ball, then okay, they probably wouldn't have that much, you know, confidence going on the, uh, on the other end. What happened offensively during that closing stretch? Which stretch? Towards the end of the game. At the end of the fourth quarter where you... My um, part of that was turnovers and some of it was just missed shots. Um, I mean, that's really it. Um, if we, we take care of the ball better, then obviously what start, what happened in the first half led on to the to the second half. So if we took care of the ball better, then we probably wouldn't be in that situation. You feel like you got the shot you wanted, though? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, but I mean, I ain't look how many total turnovers we have, but that was just way too many. Yep. Are you proud of the way you guys competed? Quinn seemed to think you guys competed right up to the very stretch, and maybe they just came with a little bit more. Um, I'm not proud of it. <laughs> I mean, we lost, but I think the effort was there. But just we just had too many miscues. Um, obviously, we never won an L, but at the same time, there is some. You know, we had spurts where we we definitely competed, but. Uh, we had first as well where we was, our heads was kind of all over the place. Is it nice to be able to play these guys again on Wednesday? Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, we're going to go in, we're going to watch film and try to have a better game next game. Guys, that's Emmanuel Moutier. Let's go back to you. Thank you very uh, much, Tony. And Emmanuel Moutier talked about, you know, shots just not going down in that fourth quarter. And, and the truth is, Coach, you know, the Jazz have some offensive weapons, but if they all struggle on the same night, things are going to be difficult. Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, and uh, Boyan Bogdanovich tonight, Coach, win a combined 18 of 56 from the field. It's going to be it's gonna be tough to win games when you're three main offensive weapons. And, well, three out of four, I don't want to discount Rudy, but when they struggle like that, it's going to be hard to win games. And that frostbite shooting, it makes it almost impossible to be successful and a lot of it is when you do penetrate the ability to get your body under control and that, sometimes it's, it's the long ball and you, you want to shoot as far as in rhythm and it starts with footwork as the Jazz players today, when they penetrated, they're a little bit not they're a little bit out of control. They let the physicality of the T-Wolves primitive defenders get to them. They either arm shot or they quick shot, and they really didn't see clear eyes at the basket or use their footwork. So, for example, Jake, just watch the game visually. How often did the Jazz players penetrate and jump stop and use their footwork to maneuver around? Most of them was what? They got the ball in the paint. They got tight as far as the body tight. And then what? They off shot it weight with, it, with, it, with a less fluidity. Right. These are, all, these are all correctable mistakes. The ability to score through physicality separates so many guys. And by the way, Jake, I just described playoff basketball. The ability to score at every at any level, but especially in the playoffs, is absolutely critical as Jazz go forward. Let's take a, uh, check out your Master of the Glass, brought to you by Safe Light Auto Glass, the local vehicle glass expert here for another great year of basketball, and proud to be the preferred auto glass partner of the Utah Jazz. Safe Light Auto Glass is also proud to present this year's Master of the Glass Rebound Program. At the end of the regular season, Safe Light will donate five dollars for each rebound secured by this year's team rebound leader, with all proceeds uh, going to benefit the Neighborhood House. Rudy Gobert is your Master of the Glass tonight. 
He had 14 total rebounds to go along with his 16 points. Five of those, Coach, coming on the offensive side. Uh, Joe Ingles was great on the boards, coming in off the bench with eight. Royce O'Neal and uh, Mike Conley, or excuse me, Royce O'Neal and Donovan Mitchell both had seven apiece. Mike Conley had six rebounds. So rebounding tonight, uh, Coach, the Jazz out-rebounded 46-41, to but they did outboard uh, Minnesota on the offensive glass 12-5. to and That's very impressive by the Jazz. So they were determined... The T-Wolves are switching on defense. They gave Rudy a, a, a mismatch blockout, and they couldn't overcome Rudy's uh, talent and also his physicality under the basket. So they got caught on the mismatch as far as switching, and Rudy made them pay for it. Now what you want to do is finish through, finish through contact. So a lot of times Rudy got the ball with three guys on him. What you want to do is either kick it out for the three-point shot versus scramble defense or try to create another a second foul. But the effort was good on the boards, and that's, in, that's impressive because the T-Wolves present problems because they're athletic and they do pound the boards themselves. 112 to 102 is your final coming up around the corner. We'll get you more sound from the locker room. We'll let you hear from Donovan and Mike Conley, as well as Rudy Gobert. That's right around the corner. Uh, we do want to remind you that Go Where Love Takes You in the completely redesigned 2020 Subaru Outback, available now at Mark Miller Subaru, the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. He is Coach Gordon Chiesa. Jake Scott with you as well. More straight ahead on the Jazz Radio Network. One twelve, one hundred two is your final. The Jazz fall tonight to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Jake Scott, Coach, Coach Gordon Chiesa, with you. It's brought to you by both Mark Miller Subaru locations, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer. Let's take a look at your three-point takeover, sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union, helping members achieve their financial dreams for more than eighty years. And we'll take you back down into the locker room, let you hear from the players. Uh, Coach, tonight the Jazz from three, 12 of 31, 38.7%. Bogdanovich tonight was three of seven. Uh, Royce O'Neal continued to shoot well. You you think he might shoot more of them, one of two. Uh, Mike Conley, one of four. Donovan Mitchell, two of seven. Jeff Green, two of four tonight. Joe Ingles, three of seven. Uh, Really started the game off well. Emmanuel Moutier was uh, 0 of one. But three-point shooting I don't think was necessarily the problem tonight, Coach. After that, you know, Russ O'Neill is such an underrated player. That guy's eighth in in the NBA in three-point shooting accuracy. Starting the game, he was uh, shooting from three-point range 48.1. Wow. So your point is right on about that, taking rhythm threes, measured threes. And that's what he does. Russ O'Neill, he has a winning game and a spirit. So the tonight's game for the Jazz, the three-point shot was there. It was more the middle game. From the flip side, with the T-Wolves, they, they averaged shooting 30.8% from three-point range. And tonight they surpassed that, the T-Wolves, and that was a huge factor in their, in their world. They shot 368 Do you realize that the T-Wolves lead the NBA in differential from last year to this year? Talk about a different coaching uh, change. The T-Wolves average uh, almost 40 attempts from threes this year, which puts them fifth in the NBA. And I know right now you're dying. Who's number one? What team takes the most three-point shots in the NBA, Jake? Got to go with the Rockets. That's exactly right. The Rockets are number one, and number two is the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Mm. So they changed the culture in Minneapolis by increasing, on average, so far, 12 more three-point attempts by the T-Wolves. 
Tonight they were 14 of 38. Uh, the T-Wolves were from three, 36.8%. Carl Anthony Towns took 15 threes tonight, Coach. He was 7 of 15 on his way to 29 points and 13 boards. All right, let's take you back down into the locker room where Tony Parks is standing by with Donovan Mitchell. Started to just do it individually and start moving the ball. Um, I took some terrible shots. You know, you know, we played defense, but offense will hurt us today. Did you get the shots you felt like you wanted, and they just weren't making? I mean, I think as a whole, we, we, we just missed some open ones. But like I said down the stretch, you know, I took some wild ones, and that can't happen. What do you just, want to do instead of those reads? I mean, I, I, I mean, you want to kind of take away that that contested I mean, quarter. A lot of those shots, you know, if they're going in, you take them. But you know, you got to understand, you you missed three or four, you know. But I'm not gonna ever stop being aggressive. But you know, I'm gonna watch the film. The guys are probably open. I just didn't see them and uh, fix it. How do you feel about the team's defensive effort down the stretch? Uh, we guarded. You know, all-star player got hot. You know, I think that's credit to them. We guarded. We did what we were supposed to do. You know, obviously they hit shots, and then we started to break down after that. But, you know, you can't sh- not shoot well and expect to, you know, for your defense to hold it. you got to be able to score, and then we weren't able to do that. On the early turnovers, is that a lot them, or is that some of that it's on just you? us being precise and being locked in. Um, I think a lot of us just a little more crisp, a little more pace. I think we, um, we picked it up after that, but... Um, you know, we can't start the game out that way, but we'll, we'll, we'll see him again. This is their fifth win on the road. Uh, now you got a, you get a chance today after tomorrow to go back and mm-hmm. kind of steal this away from them. What's the motivation for you now? The loss. Um, simply put, you know, they were, you know, came out energetic. You know, they were loud as they should be. They went on the, what was it, 16-4 run and we were up six. So uh, we just got to be able to push back, and I think we'll be ready Monday. You've talked, about, the, you've talked about this in the previous two years you've been in this league, just how hard it is to win games in this league and the amount of focus necessary. Mm-hmm. Is that just another one of those reminders about uh, that? Actually? We just can't let teams hang around. You know, we, we, we kind of, like I said, turn the ball over. You know, defense, we played incredible defense, but we're just going too fast. And then when, we, when I came back in with that second unit, we let them back in the game. And then it's still like, you know, giving up easy buckets. We just got to be able to take, as a collective unit, just be able to um, stay locked in and stay focused uh, throughout the, the whole 48. When you guys, when they start shooting that well and you guys start struggling that much at the same time, does that kind of create a pressure to feel like you got to Yeah, I mean, definitely you feel like you're game. pressing, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we got to be able to stay calm and stay poised, and we weren't able to do that as a whole, and including myself. I, you know, but like I said, we see them on Wednesday, so we'll fix it. Feel fixable by Wednesday. Yeah, for sure. It's just offense, you know. I mean, turnovers, being more precise, being more locked in. Um, if we do that, we'll be in good shape. Guys, that's Donovan Mitchell. Let's go back to you. Thank you very much, uh, Tony and Donovan. Struggled from the field tonight, five of twenty-four. He had seventeen points, seven boards, and two assists. But coach, it's like he's uh, listening to you talk here on the post game. He opened up his comments talking about how he didn't move the ball well enough. His intentions are, real, are always great because that guy plays to win. So what you want to do is find that sweet spot mentally where I'm attacking my defensive player, I'm getting into the painted area, but I'm under control mentally, and I'm making plays. What's the play, Jake? I don't know. It could be a pull-up. It could be a lane floater. It could be a Eurostep layup. It could be kick it out to the corner for three. Thank you very much. I throw it out to you. You knock the three down off my on-time, on-target passes. It could be a, a, a step-back jumper under control. So these are all shots that are part of your uh, mix bag, but it's when you use them. However, Jake, like anything, you might be the world's greatest driver as far as uh, driving a vehicle, but if you're out of control, it negates it then. 
And that's what you want to do. You want to, you want to have your, your mind and your body under control. And remember, Jake, every time I bounce a ball in the game, if I'm a teammate and a floor mate, I have to move also. If I stay in the exact same place after my teammate bounced the ball, that means I'm out of position what, for, for, uh, for uh, on-time, on-target pass. And we were talking about this a little bit off the air, Coach, and I know Minnesota, this particular version, is not exactly known for their staunch defense, but Minnesota threw a number of good defenders Donovan's way tonight. The mid-sized guys from Minnesota's uh, world, they were on Donovan's body, Mike Conley's body, Moutier's body, and it just slowed them down. And to give them credit, and the T-Wolves aren't really juggernaut defensively, but they were in the fourth quarter. It's so interesting. The T-Wolves offensively, and that lockstep the defense, they're second in the NBA in offensive pace. But in the fourth quarter and crunch time on the road, they played dramatically slower. They were much more measured as far as their shot selection, and they got the ball to their best skilled players, meaning Jeff Teague and Carl Anthony Towns. And it's, it's, nothing changes ever in basketball. You've got to play fast, but just don't shoot fast. And shout out, by the way, to your guy, Keelan Martin, who was terrific tonight on a two-way contract, 14 points, six of seven shooting uh, for the T-Wolves, six boards. But get this, he was plus 21, coach, coming in off the bench, and he played great defense tonight and even closed the game for the Timberwolves. How about that? That's the, that's what makes sports so great, that the impossible becomes a probability. So this guy played at Butler, was undrafted. It's just so interesting about the T-Wheels roster. The first pick of the draft in 2014 was, um, was Wiggins. Next year was Carl Anthony Towns. But in tonight's game, they have three guys that are valuable players that were undrafted. And they are, Keelan Ken- uh, Martin from uh, Butler was undrafted. So was Robert Covington, undrafted. And both those guys contributed as far as their victory, uh, as far as in their world, their victory. And this shows you the power of, of playing with an edge. Now, Martin could play with the Iowa energy. So, Jake, that's how crazy it is that he plays in an NBA game and plays wonderful. He might be in the G League about two weeks from now because Wiggins comes back off, off, uh, off illness. And Covington, you mentioned he had a real nice night tonight, 15 points and eight boards, and he played some uh, great defense of his own. There's no doubt about it. All right, let's uh, throw things back down to the Jazz locker room where Tony Parks is standing by with Mike Conley. Tone? Pressing a little bit. I think they made a run that – um, they started hitting everything, and, and Cat got going. That every basket, you know, kind of built up for us, and um, the ball kind of stopped, stopped moving a little bit. I thought that we tried to take it upon ourselves individually to try to get us back in the game. And um, some games we can do that, but most of, most of the time, you want to try to continue continue to run the system and 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 you know stick to it and, and stick to the game plan. I felt like we kind of got out of that a little bit um, for those you know last eight or nine minutes of the fourth. Seems like the Teague-Towns two-man game was pretty vital down the stretch. <clears throat> uh, yeah, it was. You know, when, when you got Cat who can shoot like that, it makes it tough, uh, especially for for us to have to, you know, switch. Or um, if Rudy's guarding him, and, you know, Rudy's having to you know, extend out from the paint a little bit more. So, um, you know, it's something that, you know, I thought we tried to adjust to in the game pretty 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 good but you know Cat's a very good player and a, a very talented Jeff's very good and they can both make reads on that and they, and they made the right ones. Is that something you can fix on you know a day practice before you face me again? Yeah it's something you can adjust to and you know we got a lot of smart guys we got a lot of guys um, that take the defensive end very seriously and 
um, individual you know individual defense very seriously. So we're gonna, if not, you know, the coach is gonna get on as, as players. We're gonna go in there and try to figure it out ourselves. They were able to turn turnovers into points, especially early on. What's your take on that? Something they're doing. You guys, combination of the two. Um, you know, I thought it was a combination. I thought that we had a lot of. Uh, good reads to make. I thought we just made, you know, poor decisions and um, were a little lazy with a few passes and uh, wasn't strong with the ball down low because they were, they were a very good team at, 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 you know, getting their hands on the ball and stripping and getting out and getting on transition, trying to get, you know, play with speeds. And, and we knew that. And, uh, you know, we got to be a little bit stronger and, and just be mentally, you know, tougher in those situations. How do you weigh the desire to be more aggressive? <laughs> the desire to take good shots? Yeah. Um, it's it's tough, you know, especially you know when you're feeding for baskets at times, and um, you know we have a lot of guys who can do it. We have a lot of guys who can who can take over games, and um, you know I think it's just a matter of you know us learning each other more, even more. You know, there's times there's you know Donovan's got it and he's he's going, and there's other times when Bogey's going and, and whoever. And sometimes when all of us are not going. We have to you know, manufacture something. We have to figure out what plays will work for us and what are good guys in, in good positions to score, and or just try to get to the free throw line, try to get you know downhill and try to get something um, you know easy. Along those lines, how do you feel about the team's overall shot selection tonight? Did you feel like you mostly got what you wanted and they just weren't going in, or do you feel like you can, there's room to improve there? Yeah, I don't think anybody really took any shots out of character. You know, I thought we all had very good looks. Um, I had a lot of good looks in the paint that you know bounced around the rim a few times, and um, we had a lot of guys get open looks. Bogey got some good looks on the on the perimeter. Joe got some good looks. Don, um, you know, we'll take them all night, and uh, and you know, just a matter of making them. And tonight we didn't do that. Guys, that's Mike Conley. Let's go back to you. Thank you very much, uh, Tony. Tonight, Mike Conley from the field, 6 of 15. He was 1 of 4 from 3, Coach. He had 6 boards to go along with 6 assists in his total of 15 points. But yet another Jazz player uh, going with Donovan Mitchell talking about how they did not move the ball well enough. Moving the ball starts with everyone being in position. And when I catch the ball, it's that split second. Do I dribble a strike or do I angle dribble for handoff action or do I penetrate hard to kick it out to try to force the help defense and it's so much a decision making that the ability to understand how to play how to showcase your individual skills within the team game and the jazz player they're, most of them are, are still trying to figure it out it just takes time a huge fact in tonight's game what Mike was talking about with taking good shots was also the jazz in, in the mid-range game the jazz shoot Overall, five for thirty-two in the mid-range game, and let's 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 show. Let's talk about quickly about to the listeners what we mean by that. We mean when you penetrate below the foul line extended, in between the dotted area. So it's that it's that radius of about seven feet of where you, where you take either take a, a pull-up jump shot, a lane floater, attack the rim. Uh, a step back jump shot and that's when the Jazz would, unfortunately tonight were very faulty 5 for 32 you, you want to do shoot a high percentage of it now I think it was our friend uh, Ben Anderson who was asking the questions for KSL Sports but talking about how Carl Anthony Towns and Jeff Teague were really good in the pick and roll tonight Carl Anthony Towns with 29 points Jeff Teague had 21 to go along with 11 assists and Ben asked about or Mike how hard it is to adjust to that considering you're playing the same team on Wednesday night talk about that adjustment and what expect, do you expect coach to, to change Wednesday 
will be on-ball defender. The pick-and-roll offense doesn't start until the dribbler uses the screen. So up to when, the, when, he, when the screen is forming, Jake, if I'm guarding you, I'm staying on, on your dribble. And that we're not going to switch, and we, we are going to switch. It'll be a tight switch if it's a, we'll call one through four switch as far as size. If it's Rudy, Rudy plays in the coverage most times in center field, which means he's back. And that gives the dribbler, if he gets a shoulder by initial defender, it gives him that pocket jump shot. And that's so it's a tough dilemma. The Jazz try to counterpunch that by playing Jeff Green. Later on, in deep, deep in the fourth quarter, they played Joe Angles on that. So what you want to do is improve yourself on ball defense where you want to guard the, the dribbler yourself until the switch occurs. Or you don't switch and you play, you go over-under on the screening action and you make Rudy or the back defender have a better angle to get back to Carl Anthony Towns. See, what Towns is a, presents a problem because he's a dual threat. He can pick and pop for a three-point range or he can roll to the basket and he's skilled. So Towns is really a footwork player. He's not really a great leaper. And that's why sometimes with Towns, there's frustration fouls. In tonight's game, he, he committed two offensive fouls by frustration. Once we elbowed Rudy in the face, he's fortunate that the refs called uh, that it was a, 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 a play on play. So they called it a foul, but not, not a flagrant foul. And then he, called, then he kicked his leg out on a three-point shot. And so a lot, which tells you as a player that... Uh, Towns, even though he's long, isn't really a great leaper. So he's a footwork player to his credit. And that's what you gotta, you want to try to do is take away his footwork by being more physical w- within the rules of the game. All right, you mentioned Rudy Gobert. Let's throw things back down to the locker room where Tony's standing by with Rudy. Well, Rudy, tonight, I know a tough battle there in that fourth quarter. How much did you guys feel like you got the kind of shots you wanted and they just weren't falling? <clears throat> I don't think we did. You know, I think uh, we can play much better. You know, I think uh, you know we can play, we can execute better, uh, make play for one another better. You know, and, uh, and I think also defensively we can do a much better job. Is it more about that one extra pass or getting into what you want to do earlier? Or what yeah, pretty much, pretty much all these things. You know, get connected. Um, for, for the most part of the game, we weren't. You know, we, we were at times. You know, and I think. Uh, at those times, you know that there were the stretches when we played good defense too, and uh, you know, and then we we fall back in, a, you know, doing the things we do, and and then they they have the momentum and the shots fall for them, and you know, and we lose the game. In your mind, what wasn't good enough defensively in that fourth quarter? Where they I think I think our one-on-one defense. You know, I think uh, the simple things because we, I mean, obviously Carl hit a few threes, but I think. I, mean, I think those threes were, I mean, it was pretty far behind the line. Uh, I mean, we played solid defense on him the whole night. Um, but I think, you know, being able to, all of us, you know, stay in front of a man, uh, building more physical and then, you know, get those rebounds and, and be able to go is uh, is big, especially with a stretch five, you know, because I'm, I'm not able to to help as much as I usually do. So it's, uh, it's a little different. It seems like this one stings a little bit. Is it nice to be able to take these guys on again on Wednesday? I mean, we're going to watch film and, you know, and see what we can do better. But I think there's a lot of things we can do better. And, uh, you know, we all got to watch film individually, collectively, and, and see how we can, uh, you know, be back the team that we can be. What are some of the things you guys can improve on with, uh, with regards to shot selection? I think it's mostly get connected. 
you know, uh, know what we want. Uh, you know, make play for for the teammate, uh, get the teammate open. All the little things, you know, that I think make us very hard to guard. And we have so much talent on this team. You know, it's, we don't want to waste that. You know, we gotta keep working. Some nights it's gonna be like that. You know, we gotta keep working and and just get better and better. Good. Thanks, Thanks, Rudy. Guys, that's Rudy Gobert. Let's go back to you. Thank you very much, Tony. A couple of things Rudy said right there reminded me of uh, a couple of things you've talked about on the postgame, Coach, or actually throughout the season on these shows. One, you heard him right there, and they need to do the extra things to get their teammates or floor mates open and get them going. And that screening action and ball movement. Whenever players move the ball from side to side, you usually shoot better. Jake, when... You and I are playing in a game, and all of us touch the ball most times on the same possession. Everyone feels connected on a string, which means that they can sense when the shot's taken, you can carve out space to offensive rebound, and generally speaking, you're shooting. Even though I'm shooting, you feel part of what? The possession. Mm -hmm. So Rudy's talking about moving the ball side to side. Also, from Rudy's point of view, he didn't actually say it, but I know exactly what he's talking about, was please give me the ball on a two-footed catch in the paint. The T-Wolves are switching, so they're the small guy on him. Uh, You want to do, once you see a a player switch on Rudy, Rudy was in the painted area by the dots. He was really a target hand at seven foot one, begging for the ball. Unfortunately, they didn't really give him the ball. You saw one time in the first half, only once, the guy grabbed him, and they call a foul on a grab. And Rudy's talking about that. If they switch on it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna rim roll. When they switch, I'm gonna go to the dotted lines and seal off and make the referee call a holding foul on him. That's what Rudy's talking about. Screening action, ball movement, be so conscious of two-footed catches, and, and when a ball comes to you after movement, drive the closeout. And Bondanovich, Jake, he's very good driving the closeouts, and so is Joe Ingles. And in the second half, unfortunately, the Jets did that way too infrequently. 112 to 102 is your final. Coming up next, we'll get Coach's final thoughts, and we'll look ahead to the rematch coming up on Wednesday night in Minneapolis. Uh, it's your Jazz Game Night postgame show. Coach Gordon Chiesa, Jake Scott, Go Where Love Takes You, and the completely redesigned 2020 Subaru Outback. Available now at Mark Miller Subaru, the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. More next right here on the Jazz Game Night Post Game Show on the Jazz Radio Network. One twelve to one hundred two is your final. The Jazz fall tonight to the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's your Jazz game night post game show. Jake Scott, Coach Gordon Chiesa, with you. It's brought to you by both Mark Miller Subaru locations, Utah's only negotiation free Subaru retailer. One more thing, uh, Rudy said right there, Coach, that uh, in the previous segment that I want to get your comment on, and then we'll uh, look ahead to uh, Wednesday's game against these very same Timberwolves. Uh, this very same Timberwolves team. But uh, Rudy was talking about the perimeter defense. And that's something you hit on early in the show when um, you know we're talking about adjustments they can make for the next game. Uh, dribble penetration, specifically with Jeff Teague. Rudy said it a couple of times. They need to be better one-on-one defenders to prevent that action. And that's ball containment. So what you want to do is live in a stance. So if I'm guarding Jeff Teague, I am absolutely down as low as I can. I'm moving my feet. I adjust the point of pickup. Sometimes I play play him tight. Sometimes I play off him. 
I don't play him the same way, but most of all, what I do against him is that I try to I try to move my feet and make him feel uncomfortable. And think about it, Jake. Often, when you pick someone's pocket in the first quarter of a game off the dribble, for the rest of the game, that player's hesitant as far as ball striking. So if I'm Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Boyan Bondanovich, when, when those guys are playing primitive defense to start the game, I'm very conscious of not lunging, but I'm trying to really understand about ball containment. And if the dribble has a lazy bounce, I'm going to pick it. I'm going to be a. I'm going to be a thievery and try to steal and get in, get into transition. These are all things the Jazz are good at. Unfortunately, t- tonight, they were, they, they, there was an element of um, inconsistency of doing it. All right, Coach, let's talk about Wednesday's game. Now, uh, I don't want to say likely, but there is certainly a chance, a uh, possibility that Andrew Wiggins will be back for Wednesday's game. A lot of people thought he might be back for tonight's game. But talk about what you're looking at as they rematch only two days later. Play forward. Shoot forward. Defend forward. Screen forward. These are all the things. The game is over right now, even though it's painful. Because you have pride in yourself. In jazz basketball, the players and coaching staff and the organization, they're very prideful people. So now you have to go forward and play that. And how to to win the game Wednesday night is that you've got to figure out what you want to do with Carl Anthony Towns and Jeff Teague on on that pick-and-roll offense, which they do execute very well. The second thing, expect the level of physicality. So now they play t Wolves for the first time this year with three more three more dates with them, including Wednesday night. So now the mid-sized guys are the T-Wolves. Oh, by the way, these guys are, are on my chest. So I've got to get better leverage, more ball skills, and most of all, not panic shoot. And the last thing is this. Move the ball side to side. We'll know in jazz basketball, if they got themselves going mentally, if we see the ball being swing, swing, swing. Almost like your head's on a swivel offensively. And then suddenly that player in that corner either takes the rhythm three or drives the closeout for a basket or another kickout three. What you want to do is force the, uh, the T-Wolves to play scramble defense. So one observation that I'm going to be looking at on Wednesday, Coach, and tell me if, if you think I'm crazy on this, but I thought that you, despite Carl Anthony Towns having a big night, and listen, you got to tip your hat, uh, you know, he had 29 points tonight to go along with 13 boards, five assists, two blocks, two steals. But uh, I, I thought that he didn't really uh, have a desire to get physical with Rudy. And I think that's part of the reason why he shot 15 three-pointers is I thought he was hesitant to really get physical in the paint with Rudy Gobert. And the Jazz on Wednesday need to figure out a way to play that more into their advantage. And the way to do that is to slightly change some of the time the coverage where take away take away his his throwback uh, catches whether it's Rudy denying it and again Rudy has Rudy can get in the passing lane and try and deny it and force Towns to back cut or force Towns to go more into a mid range a mid post game and that's Rudy's advantage. And the way it could see, really, when it's all said and done, some of his craziness, uh, causing Towns, of being a fake physical, of throwing an elbow into Rudy's face and kicking his legs out, was frustration. See, on a, on a throwback jump shot, the world's almost perfect. It's very comfortable. It's like shooting in a tuxedo, where, where um, when the ball came back to me, Everything was what? Nice and comfortable. What you want to do is make Anthony Towns uncomfortable. Yes, he's skilled. But what you want to do is sometimes change 
the physicality of it by being up on him and forcing the back cut in the game. One thing that we have not touched on in the postgame uh, that I want to get your thoughts on, Coach, Dante Exum did play tonight. First time this year. He got a very nice ovation from the crowd. Got a big-time cheer when he picked up that steal and a dunk uh, that turned out to be his only field goal. He was one of four for two points, but uh, it was good, Coach, to see him back on the floor tonight. First time since last year, January 5th, 2019. So it's good. And he's a he's an excellent athlete. And now in his world, he's got to play defense, be recipient, score. In other words, don't worry about your shooting. Worry about uh, moving the ball, driving closeouts, getting into the paint area, and just generally speaking, I, I call it being a goodwill passer. So when you when you think about when you penetrate, you're thinking shot, but the defense is on you. You're going to use footwork and then try to kick it out. And Dante, he's good when he has the ball airborne. He's in rhythm, going to the basket, and that's what you want to do is try to get him. Now, if I'm I'm his floor mate, I'm conscious of him swinging the ball and encouraging him swing, 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 drive the closeout. Get him going into the paint area with rhythm and confidence. All right, Coach, before we wrap things up and turn the page to the next Minnesota Timberwolf game, give me a nugget or two that you're taking from this one tonight. And the T-Wolves have a new organization that they're not the team uh, previous years where they slug it out. They play much more open space game. They're second in the NBA in pacing. So the Jazz and the other teams in the Western Conference have to adjust that. And they have the ability, because of Carthony Towns as a, as a multi-talented player, they can win road games, the T-Wolves. When you have people that can score and create mismatch problems, winning road games is absolutely... Uh, advantageous because you have a go-to guy in the fourth quarter, which they did. That's my take of it. And the second thing is that in jazz basketball is they're much they're terrific when they play as a unit, both on both sides of the ball. Everyone loves jazz basketball when that ball is hopping on perimeter and defensively where they're getting after it. And Royce O'Neal and Donovan and Mike Conley, Rudy, and all the other gang, they're involved. They're the physical defenders versus the T-Wolves. All right, we want to say a big thanks to Lock and Boone for calling the game tonight, doing a terrific job as usual. Thanks to all our broadcast assistants for their fine work today. Thanks to Tony Parks for his work on the sidelines and in the locker rooms. Thanks to Adrian Leiser, executive producer of Jazz Game Night. Thanks to our title sponsor, Mark Miller Subaru. Go where love takes you in the completely redesigned 2020 Subaru Outback, available now at Mark Miller Subaru, the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Thank you, Coach. I know the outcome wasn't the best for the Jazz, but I always have fun when you're along for the ride with me. Jay, thank you. Stay well. 112 to 102 is your final. Up next, the Jazz take on this very same Timberwolves team on Wednesday night. Tip off a little after 6 o'clock. Pre-game begins at 5, and you'll hear it all right here on the Jazz Radio Network.